but I'm just an old fart that doesn't count, so. Recorded live. Scuba Obsessed is a weekly podcast. We talk about all things scuba diving from cool new gear, places to dive, and scuba in the news. Obsessed episode 161 is recorded live May 23rd, 2013. Welcome back to Scuba Obsessed. I'm Darren Jilson, just days before the Memorial Day weekend. And joining me this week, we have back our dive mentor, Don McEnany. How are you doing today, Don? Well, I'm doing pretty good. It's been a couple of weeks. I've missed being here. I'm glad to be back tonight. Well, it's great to have you back. But we had John, uh, John, Jim, John, that, that, that J guy, Jim, was, was on. And then we also had Dave fill in a little bit. So, uh, But you were, you were certainly missed. And uh, hopefully all sorts of uh, good dive stories. But uh, I don't know. You may not have been getting any diving in. Well, actually, we've had a very good week. We've got groups who have many Mud Club members. It's got uh, two lake dives, meaning the Great Lakes, on two different wrecks plus inland lakes. Awesome. So that, that's, I have to say, it's a lot better than I than I have been doing. But I am getting closer. It's my I've not been idle diving-wise. I've, I'm prepped and ready to go. I am anxious. I've warned everybody they can do not get between me and the water this weekend because <laughs> I am getting in. So, but before we get into that, let's go ahead and run right on through the news, Get jump into the news, paste this into the chat room. And I apologize for people who've been looking for the the show notes. Uh, we're, we're a little behind on those again. Once again, it seems like we just got caught up and then they, they slipped. So I'm going to have to spend a few hours getting those all put together and posted up. We have a remarkable amount of traffic on the website, even without current show notes. I need to be writing more articles because that seems to be what people are interested in. Can you guess which article on the website is the most popular? No, I can't. What is it? How to stay warm in a wetsuit. <laughs> I can imagine that's true. I, I wrote that one probably two or three episodes into the our first season, and that is still today the most popular. We can get a considerable number of people every day. I mean, maybe 10% of the traffic is just that one, that one posting. Because that seems to be the common... Well, everybody who, anybody who's been diving and they get into a wetsuit and they go, damn, I'm cold. And it's, so they, they go and they do a search on it and people must like the article because we rank up really high in Google. I'll have to look and see what page we're on, but it must be fairly high because we get a lot, a lot of traffic from that article. But into the chat room we go, we pasted the, the article as they're harassing me saying the secret is a dry suit, but... See, they just don't get it. It's it's kind of like it's a little snobbery, isn't it? It sounds like uh, where you know it, it's kind of like if you you know you say you complain about your car and it's like, well, you don't have a Benz, you don't have a Mercedes, you, know, you have to have a real car, and you don't have a dry suit. But uh, so here we go. Uh, body armor is now being recommended for the America's Cup sailors. Safety concerns in wake of the death of a sailor trapped underwater on a seventy foot a seventy two foot catamaran capsized two weeks ago. Two weeks ago have prompted new safety recommendations for the upcoming America's Cup. Uh, the 37 recommendations were aimed to improve preparedness and safety in the event the boats capsize again. As an added bonus, they've also designed to kit sailors in, <laughs> out like superheroes. Uh, the buddy armor is designed to be incorporated to protect the spine, puncture, and impact wounds. And they're also recommending scuba gear for underwater breathing. So... If you're going to be a sailor, you better be a scuba diver. Let me see. I'm, I'm clicking on one of the links. I want to. I'm going to try and get. So what they did is they on the article they have uh, regatta director recommendations. Let's see, and I'm looking through. Of course, some of the personal equipment they're saying buoyancy aids worn by crew must have a quick release mechanism. The body armor incorporating for protection of spine puncture and impact wounds. Electronic head count system. So it must be they're trying to figure out how many people are still on the boat. So if one falls over, they know. Crew location devices, they want a breathing apparatus to be carried and capable 
of hands-free operation of volume of air to be carried, investigated by competitors and managed by the organizational group. They also want helmets and self-lowering equipment. What's a self-lowering equipment? I mean, it's been a while since I did sailing. Self-lowering? Lowering, yeah. So they said equipment capable of self-lowering to be carried by each crew, crew member. That part I'm not sure about. Self-lowering. Huh. Additional support equipment, as they're saying, support boat limits for support boats per competitor. Wow. They're recommending each boat. I had to disconnect for a second. They're recommending each boat have a paramedic. Some of those seem oh, a little I'm, extreme I'm for hearing, a boat that's so. been tipped up, died down, and the people drowned. I'm not quite sure how a medic is going to make a big difference. Can you hear me now? Yeah, I got you. Can you hear me? <laughs> oh, here we go. Uh, my sound. Ugh. Let's try it. How about now? I've got you myself. Sounding all right. How about now? Yep. God, I've got to do something with a different system here. Okay. You, you were probably saying something really witty and intelligent that I completely missed. Probably not. <laughs> <laughs> I just said from the aspect of having it tip upside down with a 13-story mast, I can see how entrapment, but I do not understand how a medic on board is going to make a difference in that particular instance. And if the response is because of the death caused by drowning, I'm not sure a lot of those items are going to help prevent that. And in fact, inhibiting movement of some of the people on on deck by wearing body armor and or tanks, air tanks, seems like that would be more of a hazard than a help. Mm, yeah, I agree. It, it, it seems like, I mean, it's part of our culture now is that we want to put safety pads and rails on everything. And I think that's an outgrowth of, you know, cars in the 60s where they had the steering wheels that would impale you and the hard edges on dashboards and they passed a few laws and they cut deaths in half, and they're like, wow, let's just keep doing that. But there's a point of diminishing return. Yeah. Like you said, you, you cause as many problems as you as you fix. You know, the, the tough thing, the one that nobody really wants to recognize is the helmets, and, and not a big, like, motorcycle helmet, but just like a like a, a rock helmet. Yeah, would, a bump cap, a, a bump little cap. more than a bump cap. Yeah. Now, that would probably save, or if not save a lot of lives, it would uh, reduce injuries. But, uh, you know, you've also got the image and people... Don't, but they're they're racing. I mean, this is not you know your leisurely sail on a boat. They're they're working pretty hard when you watch some of these races. This is professional competition, basically. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, a, it's a, it's the a, other item they talked about was the knives. Everybody should carry a knife you can get to. Plus, they were going to have them on the quadrants of the boat. I can see that from getting entangled and cutting yourself free. That sort of makes sense. But uh, like I said, that, like you said, they had tons and tons that seemed like of recommendations that were nice to do. But I'm not sure is is really warranted. Yeah, and then I then I see they had some stuff in there like a no race fine. They said remove fines for not competing. So it must be that they felt that some aspect of the accident was a result of them not wanting to have the fine. Oh well, but uh, so scuba diving. See, would that be on them? I mean, would you be wearing the the tank? Well, the only thing I could see that would be reasonable is if you had a spare air. Those are small enough that you're going to have flotation gear on. You could have a, a spare air on that vest. It gives you a couple of breaths to keep you from drowning if you get trapped for a moment or two or a minute or so. You know, that stays off the panic aspect. Yeah. So I can see a spare air. Or, uh, the, or the other thing may be to have somewhere stowed on a boat a gear like if if you had a, a tank with two regulators on it and then i notice that you're caught in the rigging and you're going down i could go grab that tank and well, go to you yeah, well in a minute you're going to be covering some other items you had called the rescue equipment gift to benefit boaters yeah well, let, let's go ahead and do that one now then oh, okay and then my point being is i i looked that up i was curious about uh the article itself and some of the, the money factor but if you've noticed wolf has two of those rigs himself yeah, it's it's kind of a, it looks like a pony bottle just into the vest. Right, and basically that comes in four different major configurations. One is like Wolf's, which is about a 20 cubic foot bottle into a baby vest with a regulator and what have you. Modifications come to it with a 27 foot bottle and the ability to put a uh, up to an 80 cubic foot on your back with another regulator. Therefore, now you could take the 80 
give the regulator to the 27 to the person you're trying to recover. Meaning this is a smaller profile, smaller weight, but I do not see boatmen trying to manhandle rigging wearing that gear. Yeah. But that would be the closest I could see to doing it. Yeah, because here in the, the article that you're referring to, it's uh, rescuers equip, equipment gift to benefit boaters. And the Association of Long Island Bay Constables is donating underwater rescue equipment to four towns to try to prevent deaths by boating accidents, just like the one that happened last 4th of July where three children drowned. Uh, supported by one of the mothers whose seven-year-old daughter died in the accident. Um, it took two hours for volunteer firefighters to get there and to get her daughter out of the cab cabin in a capsized 34-foot boat. So what they're trying to do is get this rescue equipment in place so that somebody doesn't have to go through that. Uh, they're trying to be a little proactive. The group has raised money to donate 10 $6,000 rapid diver scuba systems to Oyster Bay, Hempshead, North Hempstead, and Huntington. Units incorporate small tanks, breathing regulator, buoyancy vests that can be used by bay constables who are often the first personnel to respond to emergencies. 6000 seems like a lot of money, doesn't it? Well, uh, the cost of those rigs, matter of fact, they have them on sale right now. The, the bottom line was on sale special for about $1,100. The maximum amount I saw reference for a modified rig with the ability to do the 80 plus a couple of other factors that you're going to find on Department of Homeland Security vest, uh, tactical vest, is around 2000 So on sale, $1,100. Uh, to me, that's a very doable, very efficient, very quick item. Put a smaller bailout on the back instead of a, you know, an 80. You keep your maneuverability. I think you could do a lot with that. Wow. Uh, I'm they, going to send you the link for Rapid Diver for anybody who wants to look at that so they get back to where it was. Yeah. Well, I'm just thinking the $6,000 per unit seems like a lot. So there must be more to it than that. Well, I think their article was a little weird because it said 10 units of 6,000. It may have been they paid 6,000 for 10 units because they got them on sale. See, that would make sense. Because I'm looking like, yeah, because if you look, if you just put a Google in for the system, you can see that uh, there are some that have it for about $600 for the Zegels Rapid Diver. Yeah. Is, Is that the one that Wolf's has, Zegels? I know there's Eagle Peeler. Yeah, because yeah. yeah, I think the one at Waltz is really designed for you put that on your boat, and if you've got a line that gets stuck in your prop, then you throw that on, you can go over and cut the line out. Well, actually, it was made for police and uh, fire department emergency people. Yeah. And, I mean, you obviously could use it through the other, but I don't think it was meant for the normal person just to go down and clear it because, again, now you got an unqualified guy doing scuba. Your liability, I would think, is going to go right up the wall. Oh, oh yeah, no. The, I mean, this, you have to be certified for this because the air. The, it's the it's the hooker rigs that are the ones that they they sell because you don't need to have the the uh, training. Well, remember we looked at that on some of those articles uh, out in the Far East. Remember where yeah. they were taking people down with no training, putting the helmets on them, basically walking on the bottom yeah. in relatively shallow water. But that's the same thing. Yeah. You know, I mean, having a helmet where your face is dry is a little different than having a regulator with a face mask. But it's still a hooker rig, and I, it seems like the liabilities on that would be right up the roof. Oh, it, it would have to be. Um, now, you you missed that a couple of weeks ago. They they actually tore that out. They that one uh, spot. I think it was in Thailand where they were walking along the bottom. They've actually pulled that. They were cutting the uh, rails out and removing it. Huh. So the the pressure after the negative press got to them, and they they removed it. Okay, this next one is a massive submerged structure stumps Israeli archaeologists. And this one sounds familiar, so I don't know if this is a is one we had covered before and they've just reposted it, but there's a massive circular structure that appears to be uh, an un- man-made underwater objects. They're saying it's between 2,000 and 10,000 years old, you know, quite a range. It is made, uh, it's a monument structure made of boulders and stones with diameter of 230 feet. It emerged in a routine sonar scan in 2003. Now archaeologists are trying to raise money to allow them to access the stones. They said it's very emblematic. It's very interesting. But the bottom line is we don't know when it's from. We don't know what it's connected to. We don't know what its function. And this is from Danny Nadell, archaeologist at the University of Haifa. Yeah. We only know that it is there and that is huge and that is unusual. They said the only way they can access the structure is through underwater excavation. A painstakingly slow and progress can cost hundreds of thousands of dollars. It's believed to be it would be the first in the Sea of Gal- Galilee, an ancient lake that 
has historic remnants spanning thousands of years. Now, they said the cone-shaped structure is found at depth between 3 and 9 and 40 feet beneath the surface. And I'm thinking that is perfect depth. Yeah, that's ideal for scuba. And if you're talking 3 to 9, you can get a heck of a lot of time working yeah. on that aspect. I'm yeah, trying to visualize you, how this is. Yeah, so I'm, I'm can I volunteer? I mean, if, you know, if they need to pay people to go and do this, I'll go. Yeah, but, you know, from 2003, why is that just coming about? I mean, that's 10 years. How significant can it be if they've waited 10 years or cannot get the funding to do that if it was that significantly, you know, significant? Well, what, what would your approach be for a rock pile? I mean, you're, you're going to have to categorize, mark everything, and then take the pieces and put it somewhere else? Would you have to put it back when you're done? Well, depending on how deep that is. I mean, it sounds like 40 feet is the bottom is what I'm picturing. So yeah, what, when I say cone. Yeah. Well, it was like three feet at the top down to 40. So, I mean, well, I guess like if you're... Say, was, that, was that made before the water was there? And, and part of the hypothesis is yes, because they didn't have the technology to work on the water to build it, which would make sense. Yeah. I, I mean, I'd that's... be concerned. I'd be curious. I don't want to know what's down there, but... They said that um, they said uh, working underwater demands not only such skill as scuba diving, but also labor-intensive excavations are particularly difficult in the Sea of Galilee, which already has low visibility, and where any digging can unleash a cloud of sediment and bury what's just been uncovered. Which just sounds like they need, you know, a good site plan for you're going to you want to vacuum away the sediments, which are going to have to be sifted and filtered, and you know, yeah, you could do it. Well. Well, the solution to that, to me, is build a cofferdam around it, suck the water out, and evacuate it. Yeah, that maybe that's what they end up doing. Because they say it's I huge, mean, it's, but it's not yeah. huge from construction standpoint. Uh, you take a look at how many ships do we know are over 200 feet, 300 feet long. Oh, yeah. yeah. So why can't you just go ahead and build something around it? Yeah, Sink I mean, it I mean, on a, top. A, a typical modern dam, they, they, will, they will build a cofferdam to divert the flow of the existing river that's much larger than this whole object. So yeah. Yeah, there's there's they they could do that. That that's probably the, the way to do it. But you know, definitely would be expensive. Yeah. Still costs a lot of money, but I'm always curious about the return on the investment. You yeah, know I don't I love to listen to how they tell me, well it's it's priceless. Well, why is it priceless? Because we don't pay attention to what we did fifty years ago. Why am I gonna really care something two thousand or twelve thousand years ago? You know, we don't really learn from the past, do we? That's that's true in so many ways. And then we have James Cameron is going to make it to the cover of the June magazine of National Geographic. They said it's only the second time in 125 years that a celebrity will be on the cover. And, you know, I don't necessarily consider him a celebrity because, I mean, he's he's a director. I mean, he's like he, to me, he's like a business person because he's not in front of the camera. I mean, he, he does create movies. Because he gets the PR out there. Well, he's good at it. And the thing is, he spent his own money. I mean, that's, that's yeah, and, and the article says it pretty well. He says, we're not about celebrities. We're about exploration. The editor-in-chief uh, mentioned on Wednesday, uh, that's the National Geographic. He said, Cameron is the only person who, by himself, has gone to the bottom of the Mariner's <laughs> Trench. And he, he talks the talk and he walks the walk. I mean, he actually went out and did it. He just didn't. It helps to have money. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I love it when eccentric people get money and they do what they would do. I mean, if he, you have to believe that he's living the life that he would live even if he wasn't rich. He just gets to do it bigger. Yeah. Well, like he says, his movie career is funded, his lifelong interest in exploration. Go for it. But like you said, if you're a billionaire, you go out there and you do one heck of a lot of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. And it's that. Uh, well, like it says, uh, What's that? I said I do like his movies. Oh, they're they're great. I, I've enjoyed them. That that reminds me. I just uh, th- this week, and I'm and I'm not advocating that people invest the way I just did, but I I I put money into uh, uh, Stems Corporation, that uh, Ocean Explorers Odyssey. Okay, I I'm not sure I'm tracking which one that is. They're ones who they they found the silver wreck and they they had the uh, gold bullion wreck that Spain took it back. You don't remember them? No. Found found that big gold wreck. They took it. To, they took all the gold to Florida, put it in the safe, and then the Spanish government sued them and seized their ships. And I probably do 
but I'm not the the name when you said I'm not familiar with the name. Yeah, the, they they named there. the ship the Black Swan that they were they pulled all the gold from. Yeah, Odyssey Marine Exploration, and it was a Black Swan project. Had 500 million in gold that they had found. Okay. But anyway, I was just I had some some money sitting in an account where dividends had been paid out, and it wasn't doing anything. You know, you don't get anything for cash anymore other than cash. So I had to put it in something. I thought, well, what the heck? And uh, they're starting uh, today. They start the new season. They're going to go down and try and pull up another 50 million in silver from uh, I think it's a Garsopa silver ship. So and they just uh, have an exhibit in uh, New York, which is opening up, which is showing shipwrecks. But cool stuff. So. I just sent you that link that I just looked up for that same item, and you are right. Very cool. Very, very cool. Now, it was a five-year legal battle. Treasurer put aboard two Spanish military C-130s with 595,000 silver coin and other gold. Yeah, that hurt when to they me, though, lost that. I, all I know is salvage loss is if it's out there, I find it. It's mine. If you wanted it, you go look for it and find it. 17 tons of gold coins and artifacts. Yep. And they didn't get to keep any of it. And they didn't, I don't even think they got a thank you. I, they've got to have gotten something out of it because that would have been totally unfair. Yeah, they said the, the wreck was worth $1 billion. Spain has ruled out the idea of the treasure being sold to ease its national debt. Uh, we, we, we do need to have the conspiracy program because I even got a theory on that. But uh, To me, but, I, just, I just look at what they have nowadays and it, it just sucks. Admiralty law should have been back to where it was. I mean, Peru made a claim against it, and since we didn't have a say in it, I don't know why the U.S. Supreme Court had anything to say about it to begin with. It's, oh, it was, it's all question. politics. It's, I mean, all if politics. you apply it to this, you have to apply it to every gold ship that's out there. Yeah, I, see, I think they I they brought they, it back the US to U.S. thinking that it would it, then the U.S. could be a jurisdiction because they knew if in international they'd have no chance because international would have done it differently. Well, I think I would have put some elsewhere just on ca- just in case. Yeah, but so any so anyway, I I put some some money into that organization, and it's 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 what I call the money that you can completely lose. <laughs> I mean, it wasn't oh, wasn't doing much I, for me as it was. So I, I just found the the clue I was looking for, if I may. Uh-huh. It says according to international maritime law, known as the doctrine of sovereignty immunity, active duty naval vessels on a non-commercial mission remain the property of the countries that commissioned them. Spain thus claimed the exclusive property of the wreck and its cargo. I would have claimed that prove it that that is the wreck. You know what I'm saying? Well, and I think that's what uh, they they were saying, is that they, they, they disagreed on the wreck. You know, Spain was saying it's this wreck, which is why this. And, and they were saying, well, that's not even the spot where it's at. Because I don't, I don't even know if uh, they've ever given up the site. Well, they, they also said the majority of the coins on board were owned by private merchants, not by Spain, which refudiates the article, the aspect of it belongs to the to Spain itself, when it was merchants, not Spain itself. Yeah, that, that's quite interesting. Yeah. Well, it just you, says, next time, don't tell anybody. Yeah. Well, if you, if you look at what they're doing now, like on the, the two wrecks that they did with the silver, is they get salvage rights before they do anything. And they got, depending on which wreck you're referring to, they got... 80% salvage rights on one and 90% on the other. And those were because the insurance companies had paid off. So the insurance companies technically owned the silver and they were willing to, you know, let them take 90% of it for a 10% share. Yeah. Because, I mean, for, for I mean, because that's kind of like what happens with your car. I mean, if you get in a car wreck and your insurance company totals it, they just sell the rest for scrap. So that's what they're looking at this at as. Yeah. So they got uh, last year. I think they brought up about fifty million in silver, and then this year they think that they've they only got forty percent of that one wreck. So they they've got another amount coming up. So then then the other one on my short list, which I haven't done, was a uh, gold company. So I may still put money in that one. Yeah. Even though gold's going down. No, a good bit down. Yeah, a good bit down. But that's just that's more currency trading than actual gold. People still like shiny stuff, so we're fine. And then we have, uh, this is a local here for us in Michigan, is the Michigan State Police Underwater Recovery Unit announced Monday that six new divers will be joining. Uh, The divers graduated the 19th from the Underwater Recovery Unit Dive School on May 17th. The team graduation was held, the last team graduation was in April 2005. So it's been a good eight, nine years since they had new members. Yeah. 
class will bring the total number of the Michigan State Police Underwater Recovery Unit up to 26, including 20 divers and six dive masters. The, their dive school is a four-week training program that's conducted in-house by members who are certified scuba instructors and or National Association Underwater Instructors. I think that's just a poor writing of that. Uh, divers received more than 160 hours of classroom instruction, swam approximately 25 miles, and spent additional 20 hours in the water during their training. I mean, not to be critical, but doesn't that just sound like dive master and rescue diver put together? I'd like to see what their school is. Yeah, I mean, it's, you know, it's, it's recovery it's, dive school. It'd be interesting to see what it is. Yeah. Well, and I and I know uh, I think you you follow Mac House, don't you? On I'm Facebook? sorry. Mac House on Facebook. I don't think I do. No. Oh, he does. Uh, he teaches underwater forensics programs. Uh huh. And uh, kind of the same thing, and that's a very extensive area of research. Plus, he's he's got. I mean, he's a he's a great one to follow because he's got all the vintage. I can't believe you're not. I'm going to have to send you the link or the recommendation. Because just about every day he posts vintage dive photos, like uh, you know diving, you know photos from people diving in fifties and. All right. Well, Bob from the dive shop uh, is into vintage scuba. Some of the rigs he dove, like he dove last week, matter of fact, just jumping ahead with no BC, he dove the the original gear as a period dive. Well, well, part of that is because that's some of the, what they're selling is new. Say that again. I said, I said the reason he's diving that's because that's some of the stuff they're selling is new. <laughs> <laughs> I, I guess that's a bad joke. A little early. <laughs> no, but uh, yeah, he, he's he's gotten into that uh, vintage diving. Yes, uh, he's he's rebuilt some, had to modify something whenever some items are not available, but uh, he's done good. That yeah, he, organization, he, he, that under underwater uh, recovery unit, they're talking about. You're talking about somebody who's got some equipment because they have several trailered boats. They have sonar and side scan sonar. They've got a command post vehicle, warming shelter for ice diving. All the members are equipped with single and double 100 cubic foot tanks, half and full face masks, dry suits, communications, stabilizers, regulators, computers, dive masters with global positioning system devices, recovery devices, you name it. it it's quite interesting. I just went to their site to take a look. Yeah, they the, Michigan's got a pretty good program. They have some support and finances. I I don't really hear too often about them being used. Well, and that that makes you wonder when they did uh, the uh, remember when Bob got called out to do the plane up by Traverse City. Yeah, yeah. And it makes you wonder why wouldn't they use the state team? Well, one is commercial and one is you know that wasn't a a. Um, Body recovery slash whatever. Actually, they did go down and, and identify and, and recover the body. That's, yeah, that's they did. So, not recovery of the aircraft. Yeah, I guess I'm not sure who was the one who officially called Bob and was trying to to get divers. Well, I, and right. I think the other thing is, is is Michigan was having financial problems, so I'm sure that diving is not their full time occupation. Yeah. So if but you're one thing that if you're on that team. You've got a minimum time. You've got to practice to keep your proficiency up. And to me, that's one big factor. You know, the Marine Division does their work during the summer. That's their job. I would hope they'd have those people assigned to teams that would be in a position to be able to use at a moment's notice. Well, and that, that's what I was saying is we don't know what their priorities are. You know, if you're a road yeah. guy and you're out or you're investigating homicides or something, are you going to have the opportunity at a moment's notice to be a first responder? Right. Which may be why it's been so long since they've done a training. This could be a, you know, we got a new governor in the state, so maybe he decided that he wanted to adjust some priorities. Yeah, it's interesting, though. And then we have a uh, a teenager, Tim, who's overcoming some difficulties and enjoying life underwater. Uh, Tim, who is now 17, has autism, dyslexia, and he's worn a back brace since the age of 12 every day to ease scoliosis. Uh, he said that being in the pool had offered a brief uh, respite from his condition, and Tim had loved it ever since learning to swim at age nine. Uh, but lately, that even being in the water was causing pain. Uh, what he had discovered that is that anytime he was underwater, he was fine. It was just that when he came up the surface where the pain returned. So his mom called the dive shop and explained the condition, seeing if scuba would be an option. She was expecting no, and the the dive shop said, 
Yeah, that, that's fine. No problem. So he has since become a paddy diver, and he has vacationed the Red Sea Resort over where Claire's at. Uh, they said because of the weight of the tanks on his back, they have to be careful in putting his kit on, but his colleagues in the club help. He still has mobility problems. The club, the club has adapted things to help him do it. So let me see. There's one There's one quote which I just thought is, is almost like how I feel underwater. He says um, he was writing about why he likes scuba diving so much. He says, I like this underwater kingdom as there's no gravity, no loud noises, and I can just be myself. So excellent. Oh, we, we already covered that one. Uh, we're back to the rescue of the boaters. How about this for a turtle? I'm curious why they couldn't just drill through the back and relieve the air bubble or fill out the cavity with something solid so they didn't have that positive buoyancy in the back of her shell. That's what I was wondering. Because it, 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 what had happened is this turtle had been hit by a boat, which somehow caused an air bubble, which then messed up his buoyancy because it was under the shell. And it was something... Wherever the air bubble is, it would turn him upside down when he got in the water. It's like he'd flip over. So what they had to do is they had to, uh, you know, they, they with other turtles, and, and here's the photo, which I pasted into the chat room. So it's a green sea turtle. He had been unable to dive for 11 years. Been hit by a boat, left an air bubble in the shell. It stopped uh, her from being able to submerge, caused her to float bottom up. Uh, they pioneered a belt with a 2.5 pounds removable lead weight. Yeah, I'm I'm with you, Mac. I don't know why it could. Well, I, I'm gonna say, well, maybe is it a, it's a case that the whenever she comes out of the water, the air bubble returns. But then I'm thinking that can't be any worse than trying to put this contraption on. I mean, this is a this is a ordeal. Yeah, I mean, again, an air pocket to me sounds like you can excavate it and fill it up. Yeah. So so what they're basically doing is imagine a backplate harness. You know, no no backplate, but the harness. And then there's pockets where they put lead weights in. I don't look ditchable, though. <laughs> but they put some lead weights in. So they, they added 2.5 pounds removable lead weights that work just like they do with scuba divers. It doesn't seem like a lot of weight. I mean, that that bubble must have been just enough to turn turtle, no pun intended. Yeah. Well, like he said, you know, they, other turtles have had the same issue, except they've been able to glue weights on their shells except the shell had deteriorated such that they couldn't glue it, that it wouldn't stay, and therefore the harness. Well, because you look in the photo, you can kind of see it. There's like a big bulge in the back. Yeah. So, I mean, I I'm, I have to think that maybe they thought about it, or maybe they thought that the hole would cause more problems. And so for whatever reason, but it's, it's swimming again. I mean, it looks happy. It's just almost like how I look. Yeah, no wetsuit. No. <laughs> well, of course, what the what's the water temperature down there? Where are they at? What do they say? Florida? What don't they say here? No, well, Waymont Sea Life, sea Life Adventure, Adventure Park. Park. What's that? Sea Life Adventure Park. So I'm, but I'm willing to bet that's warm. Well, I'm, I'm looking. I'm, I'm, I'm. Of course, it might be at a park. And maybe this is a, not a an actual open sea situation. So, well, good for the turtle. Yay, turtle. And then last one, which we'll, we'll say this one is not only the uh, an article, but it can also be a video. There's a video on, which it's not good enough to make the dive video site, but it's it's an interesting watch. The problem, I'm not a big fan of these news reports videos. I'd like to find the original raw video that he shot. I put that up. But what we're talking about is a scuba diver finds a rare World War II aircraft. Last week, a group of divers came upon what was believed to be a rare World War II aircraft while diving off Juniper, Florida. Randy Jordan, owner of the scuba diving company Emerald Charters, told ABC News that he was diving amongst a group when some frightened fish alerted him the presence of an aircraft at about 185 feet below the water's surface. Now, I'm trying to figure out, how does fish get frightened alert? I mean, I don't think fish are afraid of an aircraft. Not upside down. and been there for a while. Yeah. According to Jordan, the airplane was, was lying upside down on the ocean floor with its wings and tail engine seemingly intact. After training the location two days later and capturing underwater footage of the wreck, he exchanged it online with a Warbird information exchange with Warbird buffs, who came to the conclusion aircraft was a Curtis Helldiver SB-2C. And I just sent you a picture of it. Of, of the plane? Yeah. Well, it's the uh, side of it. It's got a nice picture of it, Helldiver. Okay. It was introduced in the Air Force in 1942. Produced through 1945, 7,140 were built. Yeah, they, they said there's one in flyable condition, but there are several under uh, reconstruction right now. 
So they they were guessing. If you watch the video, they go into some details and and why they thought it was that way. And they said it's in such good condition it had to been ditched fairly peaceful. So what they're thinking was happened is the canopy was pulled back and it was a you know a ditched landing and the, they're expecting that they got out. So they volunteered to support the Navy in trying to figure out any information on the plane. Uh, the plane was probably flown from an aircraft carrier. They're saying. Makes sense to me. Yep. Just as a side note, when talking about that treasure wreck, uh-huh. see, gold spot today is 1389, down from 1800 a couple of months ago. And silver that was selling 32, 33 spot three months ago is 2250 now. Yeah. Drop in bullion. Yeah, it's, it's uh, quite a bit down. But I've never been one for investing in in gold as an investment. Because any any example of somebody says why you would want it to me, you know, if if, if say you got the apocalypse and you're starving, you can't buy food from a starving person with gold. But you can barter other items. Yeah, I mean, I I, I mean it's good for a, a currency because good or bad, it can be negotiated. But when it comes down to when things are the most dire, I don't think it really does that. I mean, it's well, I'd rather have that than I had paper. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, which is probably why gold was so high for so long, was that same thinking. Actually, if you had a lot of nine mil, you'd be a lot better off. <laughs> well, that's what I was going to say. I mean, like, you know, if, if I've got if I've got food and I've got just enough for me and you give me a choice between uh, gold and ammunition, I think the ammunition I'm, I'm, is going to be much better. Ammunition, beef. Yeah, you need items you can subsist with. Yeah, yeah. So, but at least gold's recognizable, and but yeah, that's that is quite a quite a drop. And and the same thing happened if you remember back in the seventies when it hit six or eight hundred dollars and it was real high. Yeah. It it went and it hit that bubble and it goes down and I I think it's just a natural correction that's going to happen. Well, if you look at it over the years though, it goes up and down, but it never goes back to where it was thirty two dollars an ounce. No, <laughs> no. Was that what it was originally? Yeah. Was that when uh, when we had the gold standard? Right, and then there's a period of time when you couldn't have gold, and then they reinitiated you could, and they started at 32 an ounce, and from there, it's gone up. Yeah, yeah it's never going to get back there, because silver, it used to be a ratio of 10 to 1 between silver and gold. Well, that ratio doesn't exist nowadays. No, no, not at all. I can't believe you covered all the news. Yeah, we, we went through it all. It's, all. it's all done. That's it. It was kind of a slow news week. I, I knew I was going to be busy earlier tonight. So I had been trying to keep up on it throughout the week. So uh, I guess it just means that instead of talking about the news, we should be out in the water diving. Well, yeah. We have had a good number of members get out there. Uh, you want to talk diving right now? Yeah, let's let's go ahead and talk about diving. Well, last weekend we had two different groups. Well, actually the weekend before, actually two weekends ago, we had guys out back on the uh, wreck of the South Bend over in Diamond Lake. And yep, yep. the only odd part about that is Bob's record has been spoiled, Uh-oh. where he normally just drops the anchor and it falls right in the middle of the wreck. Well, on the south bend, when they put the anchor out, they had over a one-foot chop, high winds, and by the time they got down and or got back up, the anchor had drug about 400 feet. <laughs> oh, wow. So they spent a lot of time playing around the bottom for 40 minutes and uh, did not actually even get on the wreck. You know, that that nearly happened to us last year when we dove it, if you remember. Yep. He he got the anchor down, but it was close enough, because when we dropped it, we were right over the wreck. Yeah. And we were close enough that when you got down to the bottom, because when we go down, we tie a reel off to the anchor, and then we swam, and you could file the trench, and the trench went to the wreck. So we were able to get the dive on the wreck, but that's, you, you know, for many times as we're in the big lake, we rarely, if ever, have a problem with the anchor biting. But in Diamond, there's something with that bottom that his anchor just doesn't hold. Yeah. And then last weekend, we had uh, Bob Jensen took the techies out for a dive on the Ann Arbor 5. And Mr. Meester went with that group. The outstanding item is on the rail, which is about 115 feet down, uh, his visibility was in excess of 150 feet. Yeah, he he was telling me 80, but when he was describing what he was seeing, it had to have been more like 150. Right, you can see the entire wreck. Yeah, you because yeah, because you, you're at about 120, 
and the bottom's 160. Because I've, I've been on the Ann Arbor 5 probably three times, and I had one time what was the exact same condition. And it's amazing because you usually have a thermocline that you're going through, and until you get through that thermocline, you can't see it. And then you hit, you get through that thermocline, and it's like you just entered cl- crystal clear water, and you see everything from that point down. So you're... And the thermocline, uh, their temperature down there was very, very good. Really? It was in the 40s. Wow. Yeah, th- for this time of year, that's that's good for pre-Memorial Day to be in the 40s. Yeah. It's usually yeah. like 39, huh? But but it was not buoyed again. Uh, their first dive was more of a let's go play on the bottom because we missed the wreck. Uh, then they did move, got on it a second time. Um, sounds like they did have a good time and uh, well worth it. I've got some pictures of the LT and how flat the water was, just like freaking glass. And yeah, one of the yeah. pictures showed the bubbles coming up on different areas. And I swear you could see 20 feet down just the bubbles. Oh, wow. Now, the same day, Bob and Kurt went out there on the Havana. Their visibility initially was identified as horrific. Basically, it's at about seven feet. But it was also light glass. They put the anchor down right in the middle of the wreck. None of the flukes was in on anything. But since you had no current, no wave action. It just sat there. Uh, they also said the uh, decking, there's a lot more wood exposed than even last year. And last year, we had more than the year before. Oh, huh. yeah, I, I, I heard that. So it makes me think of that whatever the currents were doing, they, they kind of bring stuff open and they close it again. Well, I'm hoping something else is open. Nobody's been out there yet, if you know uh, what I know. mean. We've, we, we got to. Maybe, maybe this is the weekend. Uh, let's see. And then uh, Magician, I was out at Magician. Yesterday? Yeah, yesterday. Uh, Larry and I went out. We were on a search and recovery for a motor. And uh, it's pretty shallow out there. I think the deepest we hit was 25, maybe 30. Thermocline was at 20 feet. And uh, away from the up uh, underground springs, when you hit one of those, it got damn cold real quick. <laughs> if, you weren't, if you weren't in that spring plume, it was very comfortable, wetsuit. Uh, we had seven, eight-foot visibility, um, really enjoyable dive. We had over an hour and something down there goofing around, and we did bring out a few items back, the obligatory golf ball, of course. Uh, good. But you need to be getting out there because the visibility in these lakes are really nice. But with Memorial Day, it's going to go to hell in a handbasket real quick. Yeah, Pete, and your small lakes, when they get out there in that motorboat and start stirring stuff up, it's... and then we, we, we were too early in the season to have the algae really bloom yet. Well, all these lakes appear to have been treated with sonar or some other stuff because even diamond, the, the weeds were way, way down. Tons of fish out there, too. Uh, so get out there and get wet. Uh, I wish uh, Jim were here because he's been out there in Gilboa doing his tech diving. So I know he's got multiple dives in this week. Yeah, he, he, and, yeah I wonder if he got his grimace card. I'm not sure, but I'm sure he'll be next week being able to tell us what a great time he had and make us all jealous. Yeah, because he was going back to Jersey this weekend, which could be where he's at tonight. Okay. You know, those retired guys, you know, they don't quite have that schedule they got to keep in or anything. Yeah, just recently retired. He's still working on adrenaline from being retired. Yeah. Well, I I, I had him do the vis on my tanks this last week, so I was out at his place. So so my tanks, my, my tanks weren't out of vis, but they would be in a week. <laughs> so okay. I decided I just better get it done, so I, I took it out out his way and had him uh, do the inspection and look at him and you know you know the I, I'm not I'm by no means an expert which is why I bring him the people but he 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 went and did the inspection and a little bit of pitting which I'm always surprised it seems it doesn't seem like there should be any in aluminum but it wasn't enough that it needed to be tumbled or anything but it, it, you could see a little bit in there yeah uh, but yeah I had a horse show I had Saturday I had boy scouts and Sunday I had a horse show so this weekend, even though there's stuff planned, I am planning on getting out and doing some diving. So, Well, right now, I think the best day and uh, will probably be Sunday. I do believe both Ken and Larry are going to take boats because they want to get first dive of the season with their boats out. More than one boat or at the same time. Mm-hmm. They plan on doing the Havana and then going ahead and redoing the buoy. Oh, okay. So I will probably tag with that. I know that Curtis and uh, Kirk, I think Kirk has Bob's boat since he's on ERO, excuse me, ERO duty. Yep. So they were looking to get out. So if you're looking to do a contact, uh, go ahead and contact either Bob, or not Bob, but uh, Kirk or, or uh, Richard. Find out from Ken or Larry 
where room is available. I'm sure somebody may be able to find room for you somewhere. Yeah, I'm, I need to. I'm. I'm need to, but I, I need to be getting some dives in before I go deep, because I, I talked to Bob and he he dove this last weekend, and then he's got some training he's going on, and then he wants to get on the Ironsides. Yeah. And or and or Ann Arbor Five, and I don't want you know my first dive in many months to be 125 feet. I want to get oh, no. Some. You want the Havana type? Yeah, I, I, I want Havana, and then you you work out all the kinks and. But I do have air in my tanks. My gear is as organized as it can be. Not diving. I, I I miss not diving every week because you get that confidence. You know where everything's at and where you left it. And, yeah. You know, now it's kind of like I, I end up taking everything just to make sure I don't get it. I did, uh, and I didn't talk to you about this, but my wife went to a yard sale and bought a whole bunch of uh, dive gear. <laughs> so uh, I've got. Uh, it's nothing I would use as my primary, but there were some, you know, 10, 15-year-old good quality dive masks, mare's masks. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'd, I'll certainly, you know, throw them in a pocket in a bag, you know, as a as a backup. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, and then they fit perfect. I was like, wow, this is, you know, I'm, I'm one of those where I go to the dive shop and I'm, I go through eight or nine masks before I find one that fits. And just to get one from a yard sale where two of them were perfect. So. You can't beat that. No, no. So there's there's deals to be found out there. Right. Uh, we 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 were talking about doing the um, club picnic this year in Niles, like we did last year. Uh huh. That'll be August 24th, and that way we'll have the river as an optional dive point for those who want to get wet. Okay. Yeah, I, I think that'd be good. You know, if we've got some, provided we don't get a rain the two days before, it'd be great. Well, right now the river sucks again. Uh, yeah. We're gonna get out there, but with the rain we had yesterday, freaking monsoon. Uh, and we had a lot of rain today. It, it sucks again, and the water level is not down from the flood from the flood stage. Yeah, we, we, pretty much since we had that flood going on, it's the uh, river has been out. So I think my next spot in the river will be in the fall again, or if we do one for the picnic, maybe. Yeah. Well, I know we got a, we got a dive plan for the middle of next week. We're going to go back out to Magician, see if we can relocate that motor for them. Okay. It's one of these that's been out there over three years. Chances are ain't going to find it, but we're having fun, and that's the whole deal. Well, could, did, did you get a chance to do any side scan on it? No, we just he, we took his pontoon boat, and it's the, the muck out there is way down, so I wouldn't see it unless you had a sub-bottom profiler. So we're just going to go back out there with the prods. Yeah, and that Dr. Depth, I think there was a mode for sub-bottom. Yeah. Uh, now, have you been using Dr. Bottom. Depth on that? I've got, Doc, I've got the program. Oh, cool. Yeah, I think I, I think Jim's got his uh, Jim Kleeman his boats had all the spring maintenance work done on it, so it's I think he took it out last weekend. He yeah, had to take the wife out first so that uh, she's happy. Yeah, yeah. Josh said they got out last week. Yeah, yeah. So I'm gonna I'm gonna bug him. I, I I haven't talked to him this week. I talked to him last week. I need to talk to him again, and we'll get something. But we're we're smack dab in the season, and and uh, I did uh, down on Cleveland. The, the south oh uh, south end there is a little boat if you are looking for sale. I'd love to have one because I really want to get out when it's flat like this and work. Yeah, that was a little Starcraft like a fourteen footer. Uh, oh, had a little thirty five forty five horsepower motor on it. Probably about the price of half a parachute. <laughs> the money isn't the issue; it's uh, <laughs> other issues. <laughs> and you know what I mean. Yeah. Oh yeah. Well, I mean, you know, I've I've got a yard you can park it in. I mean, Jim's boat's there. You can just add more. I'm still working on it. <laughs> yeah. I, I, oh, and I I got a truck. I don't know if I told you that. Uh-uh. No, I got a pickup truck for my parents. My uh-uh. parents were, were tired of it, so we took it off their hands. Yeah, twist my arm. Yeah. So the, the I've, I, I'm in that rare moment in time where I, I actually, because you know, my wife's got a vehicle and I've got one, and you're always worried that. Your one breakdown away of not being able to get somebody to work. I know what you mean. I got mine back in the shop today again. Uh-oh, what happened? Uh, oh, I had the, my uh, water pump was leaking, so I got it replaced just before I went down. I had to go to Carolina, and coming down from, up from Carolina the second trip again, it's like, why am I having to add antifreeze? Well, I had the car parked in the garage this morning, and it's like I checked antifreeze, filled it back up, came back out an hour later, and then I found my antifreeze. <laughs> So I took it in this morning. They looked at it and says, the warranty from last time is still good. 
So they're replacing that, the serpentine belt and the antifreeze, no cost. I like PNR. They are a great place. They don't cheat you, and they do excellent, excellent work. Now, which one is this? PNR out of uh, here in Stevensville. Okay. I have been going to them for years, and I will continue to go to them because well, of that. I mean, anytime you can find a mechanic that stands behind work like that, uh, the one that I've used and Jim Kleeman has used have been Baroda Tire. I mean, the, the talk. This is this is really local podcasting, but yeah, there's 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 a few good ones. Well, PNR, in my opinion, is one of the best. Excellent. I'll have to keep in mind. I've my Explorer, the transmission is going, but I'm not going to fix it until it goes. Yeah. So I've probably got you know maybe two or three thousand miles, and then it's going to completely give up. But with the pickup now, which gets a solid 12 to 14 miles per gallon. <laughs> Is that a full size or a? It's a uh, it's a full size. It's a Dodge. Uh, it's got the towing package. You know the radiator coolers. The transmission was just rebuilt. It was rebuilt 2,000 miles ago, which was two years ago in the amount of miles my parents put on it. So uh, it, it's it's a fairly low mileage pickup truck, and uh, I I figure I got another hundred thousand I can put on it and. We're not driving it much. I mean, my wife, we used it this weekend to do a horse trailer, and then I'll use it for uh, towing boats. It's a, just a two-wheel drive. Is about the only two-wheel drive and an extended cab. Not the four-door, but it's the, I mean, it's like the, they're like the half doors. You know, there's a, gotcha. mm-hmm. but, uh, and it's got a cap on the back, so perfect for dive gear to go on the back. Well, I am still looking for one like that, so I have for dive gear and sleeping if I need to. Yeah. Oh, yeah. This one. Oh, it's my my dad. Uh, he he made a rack in it to where uh, my parents. It's got the it's got the cap in the back and it's set up for kayak. So he'd put two kayaks on the top. Yeah. And then they would sleep in the back of the pickup, or they would throw a tent and then camp tent camp. So, yeah, it can fit. I mean, there's room for six people to ride in the cab, but I don't think six people want to go to Sheboygan in the cab. <laughs> no. Larry and I are talking about doing some either day or overnight trips over to St. Clair. Uh-huh. So we'll keep you posted if you're going to break free. Yeah, I've got... Uh, a weekend, but it might. No, I, I haven't got time during the week. See, if, if you guys can give me at least 24 to 48 hours and I'm not traveling for work, yeah. I've got I've got vacation time I need to use up. I've, I didn't do a spring break this year like I normally do. I, I'm, I'm at max on vacation. I can only... I can earn four weeks a year, and I can only carry four weeks over. Right. I've only got two weeks of vacation planned, and I've probably got six weeks sitting right now. So I've got I can do some diving, and I'm ready. Use. I'm 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 ready. I mean, I, this this the last few weeks I, they haven't been terrible, but I can tell that I'm I'm burned out. Yeah, I'm 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 ready to do anything but work. Yeah. And I'm and I'm also I don't know if you heard that I'm I'm putting a. Uh, scuba gear test container in the backyard. How do you mean test container? Uh, A pool. Okay. (laughs) Above ground? Yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm going to do an extended liner, so it's not going to get any real depth, you know, six feet in the middle type thing, but at least it's good for checking for leaks. Yeah. And I still want to dig out the pond in the back. That one I think I can get. I've got an acre and a half. It's I think with 260 feet wide pond, I can I should be able to get 40 feet in the middle. I would think. Yeah, uh, Wolf's has got a very nice Viking dry suit. Oh, does he? Still. I was in there this week. I, I had to, I had to top my tanks off, and it seems like Bob, like uh, Bob Jensen's just gotten in town, hasn't he? Well, he's been excuse me, he's been in town a little bit. Yeah, because I, I was going to ask Richard about stuff, but he was he was seemed like he was being micromanaged a little bit, so I didn't have time to chat with him. Yeah, I was in there the other day myself, and he was showing me the suit. It's got three leaks, pinholes, and they're in the seam, so it's an easy, easy fix. Yeah. But the seals and the neck seal look pretty darn good. Yeah. And it was on his rental gear, so I can't imagine that the price would not be... You could do a little bit, I think, some good wheeling and dealing on it. I would hope so. I noticed that some of his dry suit prices are not that much below new, and they're not that good a condition. Uh I did see that he had a bear, but I looked at it and I think it, I don't think it's a, a, a scuba dry suit. I think it's a uh, like a yacht's dry suit or something because there was no inflator on it, which to me was a first clue. And mm-hmm. it seemed about two two three hundred dollars cheaper than what I would expect a new dry suit to be. So, but like I said, I didn't have a chance to talk to him. They seem to also be down on uh, on gear. When I say down, I mean 
down on selection. It's like they they had one line of new, but they didn't have a whole the normal variety of odds and ends. Like you could normally go in there and get all sorts of stuff. Now, if you needed small or medium three finger gloves, they had a ton. And if you wanted the Aqualung Kevlar, they had a bunch of those, and in every size you could think of. Mm-hmm. But they didn't have what I would buy. So what's the link? Oh, there it is. We were talking earlier about what I wanted to get into, and I think it's the Underwater Salvage Preserve Committee. Uh-huh. And that's what I was going to look at, uh, possibly putting my hat in the ring for that. Okay. Well, then uh, after the program, I've got some stuff to, to mention what I was pitching to Jim last week on some things that I'm I'm working on. Well, I was looking at it because within all of that, under the shipwreck classifications, you know, you got the Aboriginal Records and Antiquity Rules and the Act. I'd like to look some more into that. And then the uh, Underwater Preserve Council is part. So all of those items can can overlap, like Submerged Lands Program. Mm-hmm. This goes back when we wanted to do some uh, underwater logging. And then they cut that. Then all of a sudden in 2000, it came under their control. They don't allow it now. And part of that is because they want money for the activity. Exactly. See, I don't think it's they don't allow it. It's that they pretty much want like 50-50. You you make a dollar, they make a dollar. Yeah, they they want something out of it as opposed to, you know, what's it it, for me? Instead of an administrative permit, which is we just want to know you're doing it and that you're following the rules, they now say we want to make as much as you are, but we're not taking any risk. Yeah. So... But yeah, but yeah, I think it was a good time to get back into that because anytime you seem to have administration changes in any of the states, it seems like you can kind of swing things the other way. Yeah, I just entered the overview of the committee. Mm-hmm. It talks about it provides technical and adv- other advice with respect to maintaining the maintaining the thirteen underwater preserves. Makes recommendations regarding the creation and boundaries of the preserves. Uh, applications for salvage permits. Recommendations regarding issuance of the permits. Inputs regarding the char- charging of permit fees. So that's why I'm looking forward to maybe doing something. I did not realize that Peggy, and you know who I'm talking about, Peggy yeah. uh, she was a member of that. Her term ends August 17th of this year. Yeah. Well, I didn't realize that she was also f- affiliated with Hope College. Oh, I didn't either. Yeah, uh, and I'm just going on uh, LinkedIn. Her LinkedIn profile mentioned it. So I don't know what that position is. Uh-huh. I, I won't mention it in the air because I don't know if she wants everybody to know sure. who and what. But yeah, I looked at that and I'm like, oh, I didn't know that she had that uh, that thing. Uh, but yeah, I, 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 this has got to be the year where we push some of this stuff and and get some. Are you already turned off your recording and all that kind of stuff? No, no, we we haven't. We we still we're still to the point. So everybody, <laughs> um, yeah, it, it, as we get into the very local diving news, uh, make sure you <laughs> yeah. follow us on. Our website, www.scubaobsessed.com. You can also follow us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash scubaobsessed. We are on Stitcher. If you do Stitcher and you put in the word scuba, if you haven't tried Stitcher out, it's an amazing application for your smartphone, and you can listen to programs such as ours on there. So we, it's, uh, I think it's Stitcher forward slash scuba, or if you type in scuba as the keyword, then we get credit for that, which you and a thousand other people, and we'll get like a dollar or something. But uh, Stitcher, it's a good program. I, I, I use it quite a bit. And we get a lot of listeners, and we thank the listeners who are coming from Stitcher. Also, iTunes, go on there. And we love those five-star reviews, so leave us a five-star review. Also, if you haven't put your name in the fan map, and we every seems like every week or two weeks we have a new fan added in there, you get to see where all the other Scuba-obsessed fans are. So put your pin in there and see who's in your general area and diving. There's no reason not to be out there and diving and getting wet. And then uh, I, I need to talk to Rich again. He, he and I have been playing phone tag. And, uh, uh, you know, when we say Rich, we're talking about the celebrity Rich from uh, Divers Incorporated. And uh, he, he actually, uh, Mac, did you see that, that he had, uh, they were doing filming in his dive shop today? Yeah, I saw something on that. Yeah, they, uh, uh, BBC sent in a, a video crew and they wanted a good backdrop. And they ended up using uh, his uh, Rich's dive shop to have to have the the person in. So, you know, keep a watch out. I'm sure as it gets closer to being edited, that there's going to be a BBC program of some sh- sort that will have Rich's dive shop in it. Excellent. 
So I think that does it. I mean, do we have anything that we need to be promoting? Just stay safe out there when you're diving, people. <laughs> yeah, stay safe. Uh, we don't your local dive center. Any. If you haven't gotten your gear serviced, do it now. You can't wait any longer. It's June, people. It is. You, you, you only have three good diving days all summer, and one's already been used up. Heck, you can do a night dive on Saturday. That's full moon. Ooh, night dive. Ooh, now you got it. I might be able to talk Jim into a night dive. I want to do a day dive before I do my night dive, though. Well, like I said, I think we'll be getting out on Havana on Sunday. I'll probably do things around the house on Saturday. I need to cut my freaking yard if it would quit raining. Yeah, I, I, I did mow. I couldn't do it Sunday. I did a little bit Saturday. I did a little bit Monday. And I'm glad I did Monday because it's rained ever since. I mean, when when grass is three inches tall and goes to seed, that is, I mean, we're, that's an unusual season. Well, I got back the weekend, and I, I Sunday I got work done I needed to. Didn't have a threshing machine, but I almost needed it. A threshing machine. I can bring a horse over. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to get some goats and put them out in the yard. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, now since since you've it's been a couple weeks, I, th- I think we might need to do two jokes. You know, like a like a primer joke and then a, a regular joke. I, I'm listening. I'm pretty much detoxed from any of those. So. Yeah, yeah. So, so you may have to, like, you, you can't get... I can tolerate one or two of them. Yeah. Okay. So, so 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 here's the first one. A lady was picking through the frozen turkeys at a grocery store but couldn't find one big enough for her family. She asked a stock boy, do these turkeys get any bigger? The stock boy replied, no, ma'am, they're dead. <laughs> okay. That's pretty good. <laughs> so, so that's like the warm-up. You know, it's like the cleanse the palate. Okay, this next one, which remember we say they're bad. So I, I hope that people don't think we're going to, it's it's just another joke. It's not twice as good as the previous one. But a policeman had a bar under surveillance for a few minutes before closing time. So he could see who came out drunk. The first one comes out the door at two o'clock, wheezed down the sidewalk, fell down the curb, sluggishly got up, tried to turn his keys in five cars before finding his own car. Once inside the car, he fumbled his keys two or three, four, three, or, two or three more minutes. Meanwhile, all the club patrons had gotten their cars and driven away, leaving the one fellow quite alone in the parking lot. Finally, he got to his car and began to slowly drive away. Immediately, the police car pulls behind him with his lights flashing. The policeman asked the man to take a breathalyzer test, which he readily agreed. The reading was 0.0. The policeman looks puzzled at the device. He says, how can this be? To which the man replied, because tonight I'm the designated decoy. That was good. That's good. <laughs> I have to keep that in my mind. Designated, designated decline. We do not advocate that anybody drives intoxicated. So, on that note, until next week, go out there and get what? And stay safe. As a side note to that, uh-huh. uh, I was having lunch yesterday after we did some diving with a retired police officer, and he said there's a, it's in the works in Michigan to lower the permissible limit. What is it now? Do you know? It's uh, it's 0.08. Yeah. How about 0.05? And the thing is, this is not just Michigan. This is nationwide. There's been an initiative going on. And I know that people don't want to hear about conspiracies, but it's not a coincidence that this is happening in all states at exactly the same time. What they're trying to do is get a point oh five. Yeah, and that's one beer. Right, right. Uh, I mean, if you're if you're a woman and you go and you have a wine with your dinner, you are now legally drunk under point oh five. And you know, my my point my point is is you know I don't advocate drunk driving. I think if you, you there's there's no reason to be drinking and driving. Uh, but what we need to do is if you're at home and you have a beer and then something happens where, you know, you get a call that you didn't expect to go and your, your son says it needs to be picked up. I mean, if you've had two or three, you know, you don't drive. But if you've had one, you you should be okay. And what they're saying is that this is going to save lives. So my point is if point 
0.05 is much better than 0.08, then why not do 0.07 and then have the statistics to prove it? But or, just say, or just say 0, 0, 0, 1 in case you have some confidence. Well, well right, and that's, that's, what, that's what you're getting to. What you're, you're, you're getting to where you're trying to trip somebody up. You're, you're, you're just, and then here's my conspiracy theories. I think that the current political climate is where they're trying to make everything illegal so at any time they don't like you, they can stop you and arrest you. So. Well, you won't find me arguing too much on that. <laughs> but I'm just an old fart that doesn't count, so. Yeah. <laughs> Now, let's see how much of my rant I take out there. <laughs> maybe, we'll, maybe we'll add it to the end. <laughs> well, like they say, no. Uh, just because you see it on the Internet doesn't mean it isn't true. <laughs> and and what was it? Uh, 90% of all you read in the Internet uh, is is uh, not true. And then the quote was attributed to Abraham Lincoln. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, what the hell? Gore got some mileage out of it. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so... On that note, until next week, go out there and get wet. And stay safe. Call recording has been completed.